All right. Hello, and welcome back to the Futurism at JHU podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas, joined with co-host Ricardo. What's up, guys? And uh, today's kind of a, a bittersweet episode. Uh, it's my final, or we think it's my final in-person uh, episode in the studio as I'm graduating. Um, so in this episode, uh, Ricardo and I just kind of wanted to reflect on where we've been um, and where we're going to go uh, with the podcast. Um, he'll be taking over for me in the spring as kind of like the leader of the podcast. So very excited to see how the podcast grows under his leadership. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a really up and down, twist and turn journey. I mean, we started recording on our phones in Brody. Okay, theoretically, crazy. we really started the ideation for this club initially, like freshman year, first semester, like right from the get go. And that was like your idea too. That was like your initial idea before we even thought of this as like a club, right? It was just like an interest. Uh, and that's how it started. So I think it's, it's even crazier. So the fact that we moved from like recording in Brody to the DMC and then to here, but even if you like push it back further than that, I was just like, hey, we just kind of like, like talking about news and like other type of like cool tech stuff that's happening. So why don't we just like get together and talk about it kind of thing. So if you push it even back, like that's crazier. And that was during COVID too, which is like, oh, that was rough. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was just kind of a natural progression from like, oh, we're kind of like meeting as a club and like just discussing really cool stuff. And then we're like, wait, why don't we just like make, like record what we're saying yeah, and make it into a podcast. So just like kind of like naturally evolved from like a genuine interest in talking about the future and like really cool, like science and tech into like, why don't we like let the greater community listen to this, like the Hopkins community and beyond. So, and then I think it was just like, let's just start, right? Like grab our phone, get yeah. in a room in Brody and just record and like, just start and like, we'll like build up as we go. Yeah. Because we'll like think, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Like we'll figure it out on the way because, you know, the hardest part is getting started. And like, once you start and like you said, we, you know, went from recording on our phones, you know, in the studio or in, in Brody to recording in the studio at the DMC where we had actual mics and then but now, we're still on our phone and still on our phones. And then now we're in this, you know, awesome studio with the awesome uh, CLDT team and now we also have our own equipment, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which allows us for a lot of flexibility. So definitely like going forward into the spring semester, expect a lot of more hot takes, you know, just fun little snippet videos on like just social media in general, but with like a lot of a higher quality than just like the quality you'd get out of a, a smartphone. So I can at the very least promise you guys that like there will be something happening with that equipment. Yeah. Eventually. And I think just like kind of looking at all the episodes that we've published, um, I mean, we kind of started with more, you know, episodes of like just between us. Um, yeah. We had some like speaker series when we were doing Zoom University. Where yeah. We had like Ben Badie talking about like science and tech. We had uh, Will Choi, who was doing, um, was not Brown Medical School. Um, we had uh, Dan Rabitsky, who was like the senior reporter at Futurism. He was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we had Dr. Cron who's kind of like a futurist, an educator. Um, and then we kind of like shifted over to, I feel like we've, we've done a lot of like alums at this point, right? Like we did, mm -hmm. or like Hopkins affiliated people. So we did like Kristen uh, with Kabilde, which was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, we did 
Antonella Cerniolo, which was like more like med tech, but she's also Hopkins alum. Mm -hmm. Bill Kirst, who's been a great mentor for us, the host of the Coffee and Change podcast. And then, of course, our most now famous episode with uh, Ronnie, Ron, Ronald Daniels, uh, exactly. JG president, which has been like the best like moment for me where it's like, wow, like this was like a really cool Person guest speaker to, like, to have, in, yeah. right? Like that's like the epitome of Hopkins, like to have like the head of Hopkins, the head of Hopkins. So I think this gives like me the confidence that we can bring in, you know, high caliber speakers, not just at Hopkins, but beyond. Has, I was about to say, has uh, Ronnie D been in any other like Hopkins affiliated podcasts? Um, well, he, he was on kind of like an interview with SNF Agora, which is like the new building that they're building. Yeah. yeah. But is that like a Hopkins Wyman. club? No, it's not a Hopkins club. It's Has just he like not a... been on the foreign affairs either? I don't think so. If, okay. Again, this is like maybe my lack of knowledge of clubs and like what Ronnie D has been up to, but like we could potentially, there's a potential that like, this is like the first podcast he's been featured in. Yeah. For, you know, like a student organization. Per, Very first appearance. Per my knowledge, I I think so. Right? So yeah. hey, we, we broke a milestone. We broke I a mean, record. We were the first one. Maybe, maybe. I'm not I'm not calling it, but to be fair, be. like on I've now like changed our description. So we used to have a description. Well, we have two descriptions. We have one um a, uh, a student led podcast discussing billion dollar ideas in science and technology. Yeah, that was the original, right? But then I also have one that says the first and only science and technology podcast at Johns Hopkins University. Oh yeah, we technically are the only because ones. As far as I know, I mean, podcasts didn't exist, you know, way back when. That's true. And then as far as I know, there's no existing, like, truly, like, science and tech. I mean, there's, again, there's the Foreign Affairs podcast, yeah. which is Foreign Affairs, very focused. That's completely, that's, like, political. That's just political, different. which, again, they have a great program. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Hopkins podcast or sorry, these the What in the Health podcast, which is a public health podcast. But, again, that's health. But, again, those are very, like, honed in. I feel like ours is like way more like encompassing. encompassing yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Overarching, Jinx. umbrella. Exactly. So I do think that's a valid statement that we're the first and only science and technology podcast, which again, we're a science and technology school. So exactly. it just makes sense. I mean, so if anything, if anything, know. even if this club eventually dies in like a year or two, uh, which hopefully it won't, fingers crossed there. But even then, even if it does, we'd still be like the first one. So we've in a way kind of made history in terms of like the Hopkins community bubble, whatever you want to call it. And the beauty is like the episodes will always be there. That's true. You know, they're not, not going planning anywhere. on deleting the, the, the Google, yeah. uh, the YouTube channel. So. so, I mean, everything's there. Like there's some, been some really cool conversations. Um, oh yeah. The only person I didn't shout out to was uh, Joe Variale. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a really good episode on uh, the Hopkins Biotech Podcast. That's, like, behind the episode with Ron Daniels. That's probably my favorite episode. Really? Nice. Um, or, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. That episode with my sister, I got to oh, put, put up there, too. Christina Special. Because that was fun because she um, was visiting Hopkins. And yeah, she was like, yeah. I want to be on the podcast. And I was like, okay. So we just, like, sat in my room and just, like, recorded. Yeah, that was very spur of the moment. Yeah, it was very spur of the moment. It was very spontaneous, but it was it was pretty deep. It was, like, a deep conversation about, like, human nature and evolution and, like, epigenetics and stuff like that. It was it was really cool. Um, so I take it back. No one can top my sister. That's my yeah, number one. So that, I'm going to say number one. Sonny number one, 
Christina. Number two, Ron Daniels. Number three, Joe Variale. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say are your top three so far? My top three favorite like episodes out of the entire catalog that we have. Um, man, that's rough. We have had a lot of good ones. Um, I feel like Dan Robitsky to me was like. I liked it. I don't know if I would necessarily put it at uh, number one, but I really liked it because I've always been sort of fascinated with like, how do people get these stories out? And so that was to me pretty interesting. Um, my, you know, my solo episode on like editing, I feel like I also enjoy doing that because it's editing is something that is very crucial to not only just like podcasts, but YouTube channels in general, like anything, weddings, like, I don't know. Maybe this is just in my circle of, like, Hispanic people. But a lot of the times, a lot of the, like, people that will film and do stuff for, like, weddings, like wedding photographers or, you know, videographers for weddings or stuff like that, at least in the community that I kind of lived in, people do the bare minimum when it comes to editing those types of videos where they'll literally just, like, not really do anything and just let the camera roll and that's what they spit out. But even within that section, like, if you really go to, like, very professional wedding photographers and videographers or whatever they'll edit it to make it look like a movie which i think is really cool so me being able to share that like passion for editing some of the strategies that i use some of the software that i use to hopefully like inspire people to just pick it up even if you're just doing like a little school project and you're like ah, maybe like i could edit it to make it look a little bit better that to me was uh really special uh yeah the probably the one on gaming because i i love gaming other fun one so yeah those would probably be like probably my top three contenders nice so again just purely based on topic and if i was um going to go ahead and like give someone as a featured speaker though the prize it would definitely be dan rabitzi yeah that was a great episode so yeah i really like that i think it'd be interesting to to um have like dan and and ben and like all the people we had like a couple years ago come on again and yeah. see like what's changed because I'm sure like what's a, what's a new perspective that you have yeah like they Especially have a new perspective with AI because it's yeah with AI and everything because so much has changed in the last two years that yeah. it's like I'm sure they have different thoughts that have kind of evolved as things have evolved definitely especially like if you're talking about education if you're talking about um for example like Will Choi when he was talking about like bioethics like bioethics is really important right. But then now we've come across this new wave of AI. What are the ethics behind that? Even in correlation with like bioethics, like should AI be introduced into the bio, like biotechnology world? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like how, how are these things changing things for us? So, yeah, I feel like AI has always been a recurring theme. I mean, that's, that was our number one most listened to Spotify episode was our, our first episode on AI and neural networks. Yeah. So like, I feel like it's always been in the backdrop like of almost all of our episodes and then we have also talked a lot about education and i think that comes from we're students right so we're kind of in the education if if we are able to like complain about any aspect of our education and hopefully like improve it upon by just talking about it like we're gonna do it hopkins is like hopkins is good you have a lot of challenging things but at the same time like those challenges again like provide some problems and unique problems as well so there there was i think it was interesting very recently and it was on instagram i think the hopkins um school of public health or maybe arts and sciences account like one of the two accounts on instagram released a video 
uh, I think it was called like uh, Blue Jay Banter or something. I saw that. Of, yeah, yeah. Where they were asking people like, what, yep. "What? How are you feeling about finals and stuff?" And I was very surprised that like whoever was editing that video and the fact that it was outputted to an official like big Hopkins Instagram account, they didn't sugarcoat it. Everybody was like, "Oh, like exams suck. They're so hard. I want to die. Like it's terrible." And I'm really glad that they didn't, like, paint this picture of, like, oh, my God, Hopkins is so great. And, like, I love my exams. They, I'm I'm having so much fun in classes because, like, that's not – it can be a reality, but I feel like for most people it's not. Like, a lot of people go through classes. It's hard. They're sure enjoying it, but at the same time it's it's rough. It's rough. So I'm, in that way I'm still – I'm kind of glad that they kind of, like, didn't sugarcoat it and put it out there. I was like, yeah, people people are struggling. It's finals. It's final season. It's, it's rough out here. Uh, but, again, that's, like, a, a, a particular, like, problem that like maybe Hopkins has that other places don't. So even in that sense, like, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I think like Hopkins students aren't afraid to not sugarcoat like the reality of Hopkins. Yeah. It is a very intense institution. Like if you're, if you're considering coming here, like sure, come here, but like it's an elite university. So the, the level of strenuous things that you're going to have to do can be pretty elite sometimes. So. Yeah. And I think, I think on top of that, like, the caliber of students here is also great. Like, I think that's something you have to remember is like Hopkins is going to be a struggle no matter what. Yeah. Right? Like it's very intense. It's very academic. It's very. That's true. Kind of introverted. I would say. Okay. People, we can, we can make it the joke that like economic students are like, uh, what's the other one? Like public health students have it easier in terms of like oh, yeah. workload. Like those are considered easier. Majors. But a lot of them tend to pick up like second majors and stuff. So even if the original, like, trajectory is easy like they'll still pile on more work to make it harder so again goes to show you just the caliber of students that come here exactly but i i think like people think of hopkins as this like competitive place people always ask me that they're like oh i'm interested in hopkins but i've heard it's like super cutthroat and competitive oh it's not yeah i would say like i don't know where they got the idea from like people get that um that um like sense, but I think it's just a stereotype because I think so. Okay. I, I think it is competitive if you make it that way, right? Like if you treat it as a competition, but it with, can be, I want, but like but, with who, well, I'm done. who would you compete with? <laughs> if you see everything as a competition, I mean, maybe some classes are curved, right? So in a sense you are competing. I've honestly, I've never but, been in a class that was curved. Oh, my neuroscience classes, the vast really? majority have been curved. Yeah. But I never so saw like that. Only a certain number a of people get like A's that type of curve. Yeah. So it's like That's the really top 10% get A plus, the next 10%. And actually, they, they base it off of the top score. So like if the top oh. score is a 95, then 95 is 100%. Interesting. Maybe, okay, okay. I think I've, I've had one class that was kind of like that. I think it was my like my stats class, like uh, statistics uh, for life sciences, so province stats for life sciences, where the professor, but there was like an initial thing that he set up. He was like, there's going to be, like, a certain amount of A's or whatever, like, above this grade, because over the years, like, he's noted that, like, usually the top whatever percent uh, gets above a certain percentage. So maybe, you know, that could be, like, a 90%, right? So he basically said, hey, like, if you get a 90%, like, you get an A, but I'm not going to count the amount of, like, people that get an A kind of thing. It's, like, based on previous years, I'm just, like, estimating that, like, you know, whatever percentage of the class is going to get end up getting an A if I set the A to be, like, a 90% average so anybody that makes like a 90 percent average or above gets an a like but you know he's not gonna count so that's about the extent that i've had a class that had something to do with like with a curve so that's pretty interesting i've heard of 
class is curving up because you know we're all doing badly but you know that's that's about it like it's it's interesting maybe maybe um whiting is not that bad maybe maybe computer science is not that bad maybe that's what it is it could be and i would say like if there are any professors listening right now i would say kudos especially to the professors who don't have like quote yeah who are nice like who don't have quotas of like this many people get a's this many people get b's i always found that so dumb because i've had i've had a mix of professors and like i mean they've all been great yeah there's been there's been definitely like a spectrum of like some professors are very nice like you know if they know you if if they feel like you deserve it they actually want to teach they actually want to teach like you're gonna get a good grade but then there's some professors who no matter what you do We'll kind of say like, okay, well, certain amount of getting A's, certain amount of getting B's, certain amount of getting C's, like, and they have this quota to fill. Yeah, it's and like it's a like, preset rule they kind of made up, which they just kind of go along with it because it's like, ah, oh, I've been doing this for so many years, I'm not gonna change now. It's like, yeah. So I don't, I don't really see the point in that personally. Um, so I just want to shout out the teachers like who are still, nice about it. By the way, by the way, for those professors, like, you can still make the class hard, but like, not just count the number of A's. You know, you can still make it hard. You can still make it challenging for the students so that you as a professor know that the students that are putting in that, like, 110% effort still get the grade that they deserve. But if, like, half of the class is putting in 110% of the effort, how are you going to penalize people? That is building in competition into your class where it can potentially become unhealthy. You know, we don't, we're, we're already, you know, in lack of sleep, trying to get, like, grades up. Because a lot of people here are med med students, they want to go to med- medical school, and so grades matter for them. Why would you put like more barriers to like make them more cutthroat than it needs to be? Like realistically, if you are a good professor, like you'd probably want your your students to do well and not you know have a have a crisis over oh my god I'm like one person away from getting that A. Like I personally don't feel like it should be like that. Yeah, but that's just me. I don't know. I'm not a professor, but I do think like especially as a graduating senior like. Having, having at least gone through that, like all the struggles of just being a Hopkins student, it definitely gives me confidence for like whatever I might face in the future where I know I've been through a very rigorous a- a institution. Like mm-hmm. I know I can survive like a lot of stuff thrown at me. So like I feel like I've become more resilient and I'm sure that's kind of a shared sentiment with a lot of Hopkins students yeah. where you've been through a very intense environment and you know how to handle things after. And I think this is kind of, one more complaint I have about Hopkins, which maybe is a good thing, is that <laughs> the rant on Hopkins. Yeah, the rant episode. on Hopkins. Sorry, so this is this has become also rant on Hopkins episode, but, but it's, it's we're reflecting, we're reflecting. So we're reflecting. Sense. I would say my biggest qualm with Hopkins is there's no hand holding, right? Like in in like the lack sense, the yeah. lack of like support for like anything really, if that makes sense. So like housing, they don't help with housing. Like, oh, okay. there's so many different hard. things yeah, that yeah, I could yeah. talk about that they they say there's stuff there and there is stuff there, but like, it's not very helpful. they're more like, here, here's here's a bunch of resources, like, good luck. Yeah. They're not like, we're going to help you through this process. They hand you a pamphlet and they're basically just like, here, there's some information that might help you. Good yeah. Luck. So I think, and again, this is, this I think is an issue because I feel like there's so much administrative fluff at hopkins there's just like so tape. much bureaucracy and red tape it's like mm-hmm. unbelievable like even before i came to hopkins i was dealing with bureaucracy here because i took a class before um matriculating prop stats okay, and okay. i dealt with so much bureaucracy like I've just even that, enrolling yeah. in that class and i'm like do you guys not want my money like i'm paying for the class so 
the amount of bureaucracy at Hopkins is insane. Mm-hmm. But I think that goes for any institution. Yeah, but I think true. Hopkins in particular, the the lack of like kind of like personalized support in general is kind of a double-edged thing because on the one hand, yes, it makes it harder to like get through stuff at Hopkins. But at the same time, it also prepares you for the real world because in the yeah, real world, people are holding your hands. Well, they you know? can. You know, there's some helpful people. It's not guaranteed. That I think that's yeah. that's the qualm. That's just been that's just been my experience. That's mm-hmm. like my personal qualm is like I kind of wish there had been more personalized support, but at the same time, I've also like learned to do things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Like I guess, I guess what sense. you would call like adulting. Like being an adult. Like survival skills. Doing things on your own, surviving in the real world. So it's kind of like this double edged thing where it's like on the one hand I wish there had been more, but on the other hand it's like, okay, at least I've learned a lot how to do things, how to adult. Right. It, right. So, yeah. Kind of an interesting, you know. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess you're kind of right in that sense. Like, you don't want so much handholding that you're just kind of like stalling people's growth. I think that can be particularly bad. You know, if somebody's just used to getting everything handed over, then it's really hard for them to grow from that because once they lose it, like their world is gone. Like their reality is just shattered, which can happen, especially with like a lot of people that either are spoiled or have very overprotective parents. That's something that happens very often. Like the typical. I have very overprotective parents. Oh, I'm going off to college. Oh my God, my whole world is falling apart. I don't know what to do. Or, oh my God, I have so much freedom. I'm going to do so many bad things. And then you get, end up getting like hurt or injured or worse, right? Like you've heard of stuff like that happening, right? Where people just don't know how to deal with themselves because they've never had to. But there's definitely still that people can definitely like fall through the cracks, which I think it's also like a bad thing about not handholding anyone because you at some point you kind of like leave no room for there to be safety nets sometimes, which can be rough. So if, for example, I don't know, maybe in certain classes, the professor doesn't really want to teach or isn't like a good lecturer, then you're having to rely on the TAs. And if the TAs aren't good lecturers either, because I will say a lot of TAs are handpicked by the professor as well. If they're not good lecturers either, they're not able to communicate things effectively, which to a degree, like, TAs kind of are responsible for, or CAs are responsible for, then you're kind of doomed. Like, you're, there have been so many times where I just had to, like, learn the content by myself and just kind of struggle with it, where I, I like, it didn't necessarily have to be that hard. <laughs> it definitely did not have to be that hard. Because, like, once you're getting into those safety nets of, like, oh, I, I, I got to go to office hours, I got to talk to the TAs or whatever, and then they can't help you, it's like, oh, man, oh, that sucks. You know, you feel like you're the only one with the, with the problem and then you just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. So. And I think like hard. in terms of surviving Hopkins in general, um, one thing that I've noticed. So I, I'm currently a study consultant, mm-hmm. which means I work with uh, underclassmen, basically like mentoring them, helping them with like time management, managing their classes, exam prep, stuff like that. And I did study consulting, I think freshman year, maybe a little bit of sophomore year. So oh, I've been on both being ends. like, or sorry, a study consultee. Consultee, yeah. So yeah. like, I had a, cons- a study consultant freshman and maybe a little bit of sophomore year, mm-hmm. and so I've been on both ends of it of being a study consultee and being a study consultant, and I think, again, it's kind of a double edged sword where I found the program incredibly helpful. Like when I was a study consultee, I found it super helpful because it was like someone was there for me, I could be held accountable, so I felt like I was being supported in that sense. Yeah, but. At the same time, now being on the other side of it, I kind of see it as, yes, definitely it's helping students, but at the same time, it's filling in a gap that should be filled by a university. 
mm-hmm. right? Like the reason the study consulting program exists is because of lack of support from the university where its students are filling in the gap of being kind of like the mentors and like, you know, academic support and personal support for um, students, which again, kind of a double-edged sword because it's like, would you rather a student helping you or would you rather like, you know, an administrator or something helping you or an advisor helping you? So I think it's kind of like, again, I, I don't know if I like it more or dislike it more, but it's just, it's just how it is at Hopkins. And I think I'm at least glad that that's there because mm-hmm. that personally for me has been a really like positively impactful program. Got it. And I know there's like pilot and there's learning den and there's other things too <laughs> there's that FYM. are there. There's FYM. You're plugging in FYM. Yeah, you're plugging FYM. So, so I think that's all great. Um, but yeah, so that's our reflection on Hopkins. I guess to, to finish our reflection, going back to the podcast, um, we kind of talked about like where we've been. So I know you're not taking it over. So I was curious, like, what are your kind of like thoughts on the future? Where do you want the podcast to go? Obviously I'll, I'll try to be involved as well, but yeah. you know, you'll really be the point person. So what are your, what are your kind of your, you thinking right now? I will now become the dictator of this podcast. Yes, let's go. Uh, <laughs> no, but I definitely want to, I want to do a lot more especially because I feel like even though I've already done a lot for the podcast, like in me, there's so many like creative juices that just haven't come out. Like I want to do so much more. I want to be like so much more involved doing a lot of things. For example, like those uh, drop-in videos where we do like hot takes and stuff. Like I want to be involved in that. Like I want to be able to just like go. One of the things that I have uh, could be possible is just like we could just set up a random table somewhere in like Kaiser Quad and just like have a giant sign that just is like come speak about whatever. And then just have people drop in, you know? Oh, yeah, like where people have those tables where it's like, I'll debate about anything. Yeah, but I don't want to debate people. And then like, like come sit down. Or yeah. like, you could be like, I'll talk about anything. Yeah. I like that. So something like that, something fun, something to like put, again, the Futurism Club name out there. But also just like, it's it's a fun concept, right? So I want to ramp up that. I want to find more people that are like willing to take up like crucial roles within the club as well. And I want to encourage people to just like, go have fun and just like you know again the one of the reasons why i love this club so much as well is just that it gets the creative juices flowing otherwise i probably wouldn't be doing a lot of things i'm cs obviously like there's some creativity in cs but a lot of the times it's just like very monotone just like doing your own thing getting stuck uh in programs or finding a little bug there but so i definitely want to ramp up production for the club want to leave it in like greater hands grow it a lot more and be a lot more focused about the types of episodes and like how we're dealing with scheduling stuff like that so very i know it's like a lot of administrative stuff which is kind of boring for anyone like watching realistically it's kind of boring but yeah that's sort of like the aim that i want to get to maybe being a little stricter about the club and like people actually doing stuff for the club but aside from that like I i still want people to come out here have fun hopefully have more like student body people that just come here to talk and i don't mean people that are like necessarily involved with the club but hey any literally and again this is like an open invitation for anyone that's watching if you ever want to talk about something or maybe your your lab is doing something cool that you think can revolutionize the world or you just plain think that it's cool or maybe you have an interest in cameras and you've seen innovation in cameras or maybe whatever like if you ever want to come and just talk about it on the podcast that's content for us. And I feel like it's really fun just getting to know people where they're coming from, what they're doing and what they're excited about. So I, again, as, a, as an open invitation, just like get more people 
from the general Hopkins population, because again, that was like one of the intents for the club is just to have people, random people from Hopkins that just have cool things to say to just come and say them in a spot where people can, you know, be heard and have those thoughts be heard by the greater Hopkins population or just like beyond that. So yeah. that's just my my idea, my my idealization for next semester. Hopefully we can do a lot of that next semester. Not holding myself up to like, I have to do all that like 100%, but if I can do 70%, you know, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that definitely like, is aligned with like the kind of the founding principle of the podcast, which was to kind of disseminate information throughout the community and like really be an open community, not just like a club or a podcast, but like creating a community around this of like having conversations that are very important. And I think, I think all, everything you just said is great. So I'm very excited to to see where the podcast goes under your leadership. I officially pass the baton over to you. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. You know, we've both been there since the beginning. Yeah. You know, since the the podcast was a little tiny egg of an idea and now Basically. it's this. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, tune into the episodes and hopefully, you know, join a couple myself. Yeah, yeah but, for um, sure. Yeah, hope you've enjoyed, you know, this past, you know, year or two of the Futurism Podcast under, you know, me and Ricardo. It's been a journey. Um I'll, I'll miss being here, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been a great journey. So with that, a bittersweet, uh, sign off, um, and hope you enjoy uh, listening to Ricardo and, uh, the rest of the team in the spring. So yeah. with that, goodbye. All right. See you. Bye.